0: Hello, this is Richard Houston, part of the, one one of the band. We've got four or five members all together here. Uh, started up by um, um, the guy over there in the corner. Uh, what's your name? Michael. Michael. <laughs> Doing a ripple effect video. And just th- that corner, yeah. Just to show how impromptu and ad lib these things are, I... He's asking me to give the introduction. I have no idea what to say other than that I came I came across this uh, quote from a poet, uh, who, if I pronounce the name correctly, it's Reiner Maria Rilke. It was uh, hu- Hungarian born, I believe, uh, around the, the turn of the 1900s. And he would, in his book, Letters, a letter to a young poet, he has this phrase in there about live into the question in the hopes of someday being able to live into the answer. That sense of understanding the hu- human, the huge questions of humanity. Where are we? What are we doing? Why are we here? What's my purpose? What's humanity's general purpose? And You don't have the answers, but you live your life into the question in hopes of finding some degree of answers as you go along. That's my introduction. You guys take it. (laughs) I've spilled all my beans. I love it, but that's the start. You did
1: it, man. You did it. What an awesome start. We could conclude right now. And I think we all have the answer.
2: Yeah, we could just turn it off and everybody go hunt for it, right? Hunt okay.
1: for it. Come back <laughs> next week. Come
2: back next week, and
1: that's right. <laughs> you can tell us. So, Who's but you know, you I'll, I'll share my my thought when you shared that, and that's sort of how we randomly often create our sessions. Is we live in a moment, and Richard brought that up, and immediately, you know, my response was, is you know, I think it's so cool. It's so profound. As I asked him to repeat. Uh, what he had just mentioned and that line, because I think it's characteristic, I know it's characteristic of myself, and I believe it's characteristic of many of those that I would call on the spiritual path, those who are sort of seeking uh, an understanding to the greater meaning of life. And that's how I would sort of characterize those in the spiritual path, because it begins with questions. And and I can recall that myself too, is, is that, you know, For me, you know, having a traumatic background sort of always prompted questions, why? Why is there this negativity? Why did I have to go through all of this bad and evil and negativity and the effect and so on and so forth? And, you know, and then that got answered, you know to a degree by which went through counseling to be able to first deal with it. But then I still had those deeper questions, why? And it led to and it became the question of what really is life all about? That was the essence of what I was asking. And it was Tom Sawyer who sort of, through the conversations and his sharing, ultimately took my conversation, my jarbledness of what I was thinking into that question. So you're basically asking, you know, what's the meaning of life and purpose? And I say, absolutely, that is it. And That's really been characteristic of my life going forward. I've been living into that question. And pieces of it, I could say, I've got a good understanding of. I don't know what the, I don't know what answer means. I think it's continually evolving. And that's why I'm still living, (laughs) right? Is, Is that more the answer is, is yet to unfold. I have an answer in the moment there's never really a hardcore truth anymore. It's the truth at that moment. It's a belief of the moment. And then it's something that continues to evolve and hence I live, continue to live life. Anyways, Tom, I'm interested in your thought. I just think it's really profound and that's my initial view of it.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I, I have found myself finding answers, as you say, for now, and then finding those answers evolve and change. So what I thought was the answer maybe at one point grew and became more, more and more broad as an answer. Um, and I'm thinking the the questions, um, I mean, there've been so many questions over the years and at some point you start thinking, why do I have so many questions? And you stop asking so many because you start seeing more answers than you do questions at some point. So I have found as I get older, I have fewer questions and um, and more answers. I mean, I guess it's got to catch up with me sometime, right? <laughs> I better start getting these answers together here pretty quick because, you know, I'm aging. Um, but I'm, I'm finding that that just in my my like lately there have been a number of synchronicities happening in my life, and especially around our place here, our property. Uh, I think I mentioned that I discovered that I was related to um, the people that owned the property here years and years ago, having no idea and coming from somewhere else totally. Um, more and more things are are starting to develop around uh, what we would call a community here at um, where I live with Jeff and Rachel and uh, with my daughter and her husband and my grandson and with uh, Rick who's in our group, the Bhakti Kulani group and others who are just sort of coming. We, we We didn't plan to have a community, it just has been evolving. And I didn't plan to move here because my relatives owned this property years ago, it just happened. And there, there are a number of other things about this and, and other aspects as well that just seem to be falling into place without me really having to do much. Um, and I have a lot of questions about ancestry and about background that have come since I've discovered this. Um, and, but that's more of a discovery than it is a question. It's more of like, it's it's starting to become uh, a quest. And a quest is a little different from a question, I think. A quest is, is kind of like a journey towards a, something that you're aspiring to. I'm aspiring to um, open up. I'm aspiring to know more. Um, and not so much from through questions as allowing the, the journey to, to unfold, not resisting. So it, 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 it's interesting to, because um, I mentioned this once before about the uh, In Search Of that we were doing years ago. And um, the comment that was made, we went to the ashram at um, Yogaville where Satchitananda was and we mentioned him Maybe last week or week four. Or so, and sitting in the room where where he was, he let his hair down, so to speak, because he wasn't with his main followers, and we were all just having a friendly conversation. And uh, he he made the comment, um, I think it was we we were talking about in search of. Him. He said, "What are you looking for?" You know. And so it kind of made made it an impact on us as as if the question became more important than the journey or whatever it was. And so it kind of made us think a little bit, you know, what what do you have that you don't uh, know already, or you know, something like that. What what do you not already not know? And um, it, so it, it came to me to say. Well, it's not so much what we're trying to find, it's the journey. It's in search of searching for things, is the process. And not that you're going to find some specific thing, but you're just observing life, you're observing the flow of life, and you'll find something as you do that, as you're open minded. As you mentioned, Michael, that I think that the more open minded we are, because a lot of people try to answer their questions based on a, on a predisposed or, or preordained idea of what truth is. Um, here's what I'm, I'm looking for the answer to this truth. And so they'll go about trying to justify this truth or this reality as they see it, as they perceive it to be. They, they'll look for ways of justific- justifying the answer rather than discovering what the answer might become. And I think that fits into what you're saying, Richard, that, that it's, it's the journey of finding finding out stuff. <laughs> it's the journey of discovery that is, is what it's about. And, and that's a lot more fun and it, you'll find out more because you're not, you don't have a predisposed idea of what the truth is. And, and if you are fixed on, this is what I'm looking for and I'm gonna to try to find all the puzzle pieces that make that work. You know, and if you get over here and you find out, wait a minute, that doesn't fit, somehow this doesn't fit this, the answer, I, I, must be something wrong. I'm, must be something wrong with me. You know, I, I'm not finding the answer I want. And so it, that can be really uh, limiting to have a predisposed truth that you're trying to find the answer to get to, as opposed to broadening out from the, the kernel. Or the nut and letting that evolve, or the plant and letting that evolve and become what it is in its in its root, you know, in itself, in its in its germ. The germ will, will grow into what is its truth, and we will also do that. So I, I think that's you know to put that in a nutshell, so
0: to speak, that
2: we well, are have- we are the truth becoming.
0: I had and that's, an example from my life of that kind of thing happening, which uh, the first time I ever went to one of Carol's conferences, a Visions of Tomorrow conference in Geneseo, uh, it was wonderful and good people and everything was great and I was kind of surprised at the theatricality of the um, uh, Saturday Night Healing Service, Candlelight Healing Service. <clears throat> people showed up in all kinds of wizardly, angelic costumes to fulfill what they thought was the spiritual vision, spiritual appearance, or I, I really don't know, I thought it it struck me this mechanic who grew up on a farm is as being a little far fetched to to wear those those costumes and, and not just be yourself. So the next year, I happened to find uh, a clown costume, uh, an, an old, old style Poirot, Commedia dell'arte costume that had with, all white with three big puffy black buttons. You know, just a standard, really old style Italian and French comedy thing. And I thought, I'll wear that <laughs> just to make fun of the the people who are in their costumes. So I show up with it and I make eye contact with with Tom, Tom Sawyer, and he looks at me and his eyes well up and turn red. Like, what? With, you know, just across the room, not a word spoken. Like That's unusual. You know, I thought he'd go, ha, 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 look at that, and jump right into what I was thinking of as a teasing of the, the other ones. But that's really unusual. I was making my way around the room. And uh, I came up to uh, uh, a Native American teacher who was there doing I have forgotten his name now, but uh, very highly regarded by everyone there. uh, As being a very honest and and decent and wonderful person, authentic, very, very authentic person. Uh, And as I happened to happen, to come near him, uh, we we make eye contact and he's looking at me in a very distinct way. And I, well, you want to share a hug? And he goes, "While well, you're wearing that, you bet." <laughs> and I'm going, "This has got to mean something. What does? What is this?" And in uh, and in uh, my further investigations, finding out how much the cocoa pally and the and the clowns of uh, Native Americans were actual spiritual uh, people, spiritual teachers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. taking the uh, pomposity out of the spiritual teachings and and o- trying to open people up, uh, and then talking with with cl- uh, Tom Moore and looking into what clowning has been in other um, countries and cultures and whatnot, and then I went, Jesus. I walked right into that one, wide open and blind. That sense of just searching—I wasn't looking for what I found at all. But what I found ended up being ended up being the lifelong calling I had felt, but didn't recognize. To to go out and be clowning, and un, coming to understand. That when people are laughing, they're more open to, and that's just openness. You know, if spirituality is trying to get to someone somehow, if they're laughing, it's easier to get to them than if they're doing a a number of other things, you know, thinking about their taxes or doing their work or doing the dishes or something. And I didn't realize that at all till after that mul- that that saturday night candlelight healing service but boy, boy the things i've had happen since then in my in my first year of clowning not knowing you know I, got, I, I know two two magic tricks and five jokes right so i'm at this baseball stadium and playing around and doing stuff and i don't know whatever nonsense i'm doing and as i'm leaving I'm, I'm walking away, and something caught my eye, peripheral vision. I turn and look, and here's this really huge woman. She overflows her her wheelchair in the same way that her disgust overflows out of her face. She is not happy with her life, what their situation is. You know, she's just, ugh, what a miserable Space she was in why I noticed her I've no idea but it was it was like snap call and I start walking toward her and she's looking at me like what is this you know I got the nose and the big red top hat and the wild colors and everything and she's looking at me like and she's kind of backing up and just the instant before she turned away as if to say no I will have nothing to do with you I stopped. That caught her attention a little more. Well, what's this mean? I reached my hand up and I touched my nose and it squeaked. I have a a palm squeaker hidden in my hand so I can feel like I can do that when I touch my nose and it looks like the nose is squeaked. She looks at me like, you fool. (laughs) Like she might look at one of her kids like, you fool. What that stupid that. And I pointed to her and like questioning you and she's what you touch my nose you I reach out I touch her nose and it squeaked she melted on the spot laughter like a little child just rolling and shaking just marvelous went, I'm done and I walked off and got in my van and went home but those kinds of things kept happening And I went to Ching, you know, the Native American teacher and Tom, they saw that potential in me that those kinds of situations could happen in my life review. I'll get to find out how that affected her for the rest of her life. But as far as I know right now, that happened and I was done. There's a million of those stories, but it's, Thanks it's for one of those that. things I was not searching for and, and just fell into head first.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the sharing because it's, it's, as the conversation evolved, right, so is my own thought here is, is, Tom, you shared something to me was really profound. Uh, and that is his quest is a part of question, but that it's a quest. And I love it. I think that it really is, is we, a question can often lead us on a quest, right? And, but the important part is, is to understand what question we're asking ourselves. And that's very often where we need help. And I know Tom was very instrumental in that for me, uh, there's a scene uh, one of my favorite movies, I think we're all acquainted with it, is is The Razor's Edge. There's two versions of a '40s version, and uh, I don't know when the newer version came out, but it's Bill Murray back early in his career, classic Bill Murray character in a very profound movie. But you know, Bill Murray had, had experienced the ravages of uh, World War One, it was I believe, and came out just really distraught. You know, attempted to come back, realized it no longer really fit in. And then he started to, I think he lived in France, and at some point he left. He was in search. He was in search of something, and, and there was a point in the movie where he was on some small little river boat, I think it was in India, uh, and the, uh, he was reaching down to uh, clean the dishes, and the, the other gentleman there says, what are you doing? And he goes, I've cleaned the dishes, and I, I might be not exact details but it's directionally correct anyways uh, not washing the dishes I want to wash the dishes and he goes okay but what's your intention and it stopped him what do you mean it's what's my intention you, yeah you're doing that but everything has an intention what is your intention and and as he started to uncover that it led to him going to the monastery and all of the search. Uh, because at that point, he says, "Is I was in search. I was in search of something deeper, which is where he had a number of synchronistic events that ended up leading him up to a monastery. And that's where he had his period of enlightenment there. And that's what came to my mind, Thomas, you were talking about and sort of mix in, Richard, what you were talking about is, is that very often when we're on the quest, how does one live into the answers. And to me, the answer of that question I just asked is that we allow life to be its teacher. Because Richard, you went there with a whole different intention of wearing that mask, but you came out with an answer. So you live, right? You were just living into, into that. I know from my own self, you know, as is, is I was asking that question is, is, why me, why the pain and suffering? What is really the meaning of life? Lo and behold, I think back of the zillion different occurrences, teachers, events, and things that had led me forward that no way I had designed, planned or anything, but life really became a teacher. And so I sort of, what for me is turned your opening from that poem you know we live into our questions so that we can live into with the hope that we can live into our answers and the ingredient of that yes is to first understand the question we're asking and I think that's a deep and profounder as- aspect of it started off for me as why all of this pain when really what Tom helped me with is coming to that point was so you're really asking what's the meaning of life right? And I said, yes, that was it. And then once that was there and I was clear on the answer, my past started to take more focus and purpose. And then that's when events, people, places and things started to come in to help me to answer that question. But only to find out that, okay, as I come to some answers to that question, at least a way that's suitable, acceptable to me, then there's, Although that question might change, more, deeper, more profound, more questions continue to come forth, which has been my experience. To the point of which, I, um, it goes to there's, I think, it's a Zen saying, and correct me if I'm wrong. Something that says, "How do you know when you're done growing?" And the Zen or Buddhist response, whatever it is, is when you take your last breath. Right, so that we're constantly, mm-hmm. we're constantly in growth. And it was my experience even in hospice care is, is that uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross uh, wrote a book on its death, the final stage of growth. And it was, I mean, here were people really confronted with a situation of which they were into this final stage. So I think, for those that are open to it, um, we all have questions. I mean, I step back. I think we all have questions. It's what do we do with that question? Do we venture into an open mind? Tommy, you had talked about maybe we subscribe to what a book or an author or religion or something says, and we accept that because hey, that's, that's of course the answer. Somebody else said it or it's, it's in that book or religious book or whatever the case may be. But then there were those of us that that no longer satisfied their questions we were asking, and we had to soul search sort of that story of Siddhartha, that he ended up going through all of these stages, but really coming to understand is is what's the best way, what is spirituality, uh, and what did it mean to him. So, anyways, it's it's a it's a collection of sort of your stories to sort of my view summarizing say is, is that that quote is profound. And I think we all do. And the key is, is really being able to stop and ask ourselves and understand what's the question we're really asking ourselves. And that sometimes we may need help and a teacher, somebody along the lines that Tom Sawyer was for me. And then with that, you begin opening up to life experiences to open and come forth all of these synchronistic situations, Richard, your, your costume, going there with a different intention and yet, it became an incredible teacher to you. Now, to have making a life-long change. So, I'm not sure if that's made any sense, but it sure makes sense to me. But I,
2: I think, I think also for Richard, um, <clears throat> you know, there was some judgment in on your part yeah. that yeah. You, that you probably felt, wow, you know. I don't know why these other people are all. Maybe, maybe their dress up, may, maybe their costume, and and their performance has meaning beyond what you are judging it to be. And i and, and I think each of us comes to that place. I know for me, I mean, I participated in those healings as a musician, so I was creating a music scape. You know, that was my thing, and I didn't need to dress yeah. up for that. Um, except that for the time that uh, you probably remember the Mel Gibson's chest um, play that we did, several of us put, put together a, um, a spoof on the order. And Sybil, uh, I forget her last name, and I dressed up as Mother, Father, God. And we found this sheet, and we had our, our two heads in, the, you know, we, we made like a body with two heads and my arm was over here and her arm was over there. And see, so we were walking out into this thing as mother, father, God, you know, it was all funny and everything, you know. Uh, and then the order of Mel Gibson's chest, cause Mel Gibson was, uh, you know, the kind of macho image at that point. And so all of this spoofiness, and then on the the ship, Mike, we never quite got to that conversation where where we, went uh, had our wednesday night or you know middle of the the chakra or the root chakra the second chakra whatever it was um where we were on the ship and we had our evening of spoofing um the whole sexual thing and so we had a had a uh serious entrance in our white robes and our gear all that stuff and walked in very piously Oh, with a chant, and it, it it all happened so miraculously because the guy on the ship, when we went in to rehearse this thing, um the Egyptian guy had, was controlling the music, and he got this music by Madonna, you know, and it, and it was it just fits so perfectly with the the evolution of what we were doing, was to become very pious and oh, my, oh as priests come to the front. And then, as the music shifts, we start to shift, and we still do this whole striptease thing, you know, they <laughs> evolve it, taking off all the garb. And so I thought, oh, how wonderful this is. You see, oh, this is cool. And then, so I step back a little bit and let the guys like Mike and all the, the, the you know, well built guys, handsome guys do their thing. And then at the end of that, unbeknownst to me, They came over to me and started pulling off my robe. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) It's down to my underwear. You know, and it was like I wasn't planning on this. You know, so I was exposed. You know, and uh, it was it was funny. uh, You know, to everybody else, (laughs) embarrassing to me. But it it stripped me. You know, it it opened me up to to. Um, revealing myself in more than one way, I guess, I suppose, and um, the whole Father Dip thing came out of that as well, so all of these clown roles, I guess you could say, those were our clowning, uh, taking on these characters and making fun of the sacred, you know, it was, (laughs) it has been a part of my journey as well, and I I think that, (laughs) You know, no matter what your circumstance, you can always find humor, and I know that's hard to say for somebody going through terrible calamity, and and, and I've been there myself, you know, where the tears, you have to exercise those tears every now and then, you have to feel the pain, you have to be a part of that, but there comes a point in in it all where, uh, you know, the divine comedy comes out, you know, and where we can make fun of ourselves and not take ourselves so seriously. Um, I, you know, I have a number of those, and 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 that has helped me over the years to come out of my shell because I have been a very shy person over the years. And at those conferences, I um, I can remember one where I dressed up. At the end of the conference, after it was over, we were hanging around in the dorm there, and somehow it evolved that I started putting on high heels and then I put on a leotard and then I put on this other thing and a tutu and you know all this stuff and dancing around and doing all this stuff, you know, and a bra and everything. And it, all of that kind of stuff took brought me out of my shell. And so when I went to those conferences, I was some I was transformed. And I could be in this state of humor. And um oops, McGinnis, there we go. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, yes. You probably <laughs> <laughs> oh I haven't seen
1: that picture in years. I just brought that
2: up. And there was a there was a video of that. And I I, I watch that every now and then. I don't know if you ever saw that, but there there was somebody videoed that and uh it, it's 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 amazing the whole flow of that event. And I think uh I know that Jeff didn't want to participate in it. He was, he, he didn't want anything to do with it, (laughs) you know, but you guys really made that. I mean, it, it was just flowed. And uh, it, it it was one of those amazing life time experiences that, that happened very, just one thing led to another. The music was right. The people were right. The whole ebb and flow of it. It was, orchestrated a little bit but there was a lot of improv in it and uh, it just felt like a very freeing experience for everybody
1: Is that what happened in this case?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I think that's yeah. why we <laughs> <laughs> Oh man talk <laughs> about that revelation Oh <laughs> uh,
1: but, no, Tommy, Ta- 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 you were absolutely right. because, I, frankly, I ditto what you just described in yourself is characteristic of me. I still have that shy side, but that was such an incredible freeing experience. And, I mean, and that's where that, this, that other picture I just shared, another thing, sort of became the norm for the rest of the trip. It was mm-hmm. fun. We I was first time ever myself and out of my shell.
2: Right. Right and so that's where that's where everybody dressing up you know comes into that and and people become another character and i think that's that's for the people who who were doing those um, healing ceremonies that that may have been that way for them as well
0: so and as we're talking here i've come to two realizations about that night <laughs> this is, this is one is Showing up in that clown costume to make fun and tease the others, lovingly and decently, but honestly, thinking they've gone over the top somewhere. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, in, I missed the question by a mile, but found the proper answer. That that has been a lifelong, uh, beauty for me. And the other thing is. I showed up in a costume to make fun of people who are, were had show up in a costume once in a while and I ended up wearing a costume a lot more than they ever <laughs> have. <laughs> yeah. It backfired on me in the most perfect beautiful <laughs> way. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm looking for other people to make fun of and see what else I learned. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all wearing a costume, you know, a, a, to some extent. I mean, as we have talked about our ego um, in the last couple of sessions, that the ego, in a sense, is a costume. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a form that we wear, uh, that we take on uh, to present Ourself in the physical reality of the physical world, uh, our persona, um, and you know Santa Claus is a perfect example of that. Uh, Richard, you and I share that, uh, where we take on the role of Santa Claus. I mean, are we Santa Claus? Well, yeah, uh, you know, in some when we're doing it, we are Santa Claus, and oh. you know, somebody else is Santa Claus, you know, and but coming from our own expression um there's that famous quote that says there are three phases of a man's life and i think i've added a fourth one where you first phase is where you believe in santa claus the second stage is where you don't believe in santa claus and the third stage is where you are santa claus and then the fourth stage is where you look like santa claus if you're (laughs) like me you know you really do are santa claus um but there, there's that element of taking on, you know, the, the garb of whatever your role is, and we play a part somehow. Like Michael takes on the role of this really knowledgeable and smart um, guy to help people looking for finding their own uh, strength and their own truth. that Nirvana
0: right on his shirt.
2: And there he is right there at the beach, you know, with Nirvana. He's got all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> he looks the part, you know, I would trust him yep. with my
0: life. Uh, well. <laughs> 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 We're trusting him with our reputations anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh,
1: isn't it interesting? I mean, because we do, there's Eckhart Tolle talks about how, he refers to all these aspects of self as a different body. And Tom, you sort of said is we have our ego, you know, and he refers to our ego body, we have our pain body, we have these elements that all sort of make up our physical personality. Uh, and, you know, that was something that Tom really helped me sort of distinguish uh, between is, is that, you know, the as he said, you know, the soul is perfection, it's not, you know so it's not about perfecting the soul but clearly coming here into physical being we're riddled with a lot of these elements of which you know it seems like some of that quest is is to really find and discover our spiritual being and allow that to sort of be the bigger part of our personality or body that's one maybe way of of thinking about it Uh, but it it, I just find it's interesting but I question sort of We've been going through a lot of different discussion on this, which is that quote has been really quite profound here, but what are some of the questions that you are asking yourself now? I mean, not just this moment, but in this phase of
2: life. Uh, I think one thing is, as I'm aging and starting to realize that what my work has been up to this point, as I start to hand over elements of that, like to my children uh, or to whoever you know, what is it that um what is it that I have? as my, um, what's the word? What is my legacy? You know, what, what do I need to hand over? What do I need to reiterate? What do I need to write down? What do I need to um, have people remember that I have done or said what's, what are the important parts of my life that are, that should be recorded or, Documented, I guess you could say. What should I hand over? Um, and I don't know whether to write that. You know what form that needs to take, whether to write my history down, my my sayings. I mean, we're doing that. This is one thing I'm thankful for, uh, Michael, is that we are recording, and some and our stories will be there. You know. And so I'm thinking the more that we can do of this, where we share our stories, this will be something that we do pass down. I mean, insights and stories and, and um, things that we thought about that we might not have ever expressed before, or at least not publicly. So
1: That's powerful. Richard, I want to hear your thoughts on it, just while you're thinking of it, is. I, I absolutely love it. I'll come back we'll t- talk more about it, but I very much relate to the questioning that you were doing relating it to myself is in my phase. And it's interesting because I thought the same thing. This is the kids right now I call my kids they're, they're, um, they, they're you know they're not into the spirituality and that was uh, you know characteristic of it but yet, as I thought about it, like that modern day vision quest that I had, all of these now are there to be Mm -hmm. able to share, you know, what it is about me. I did, my sister actually did some genealogy and got some information on, you know, our prior side of the family, very sketchy out there, right? Because it goes back in the years where documentation and things were there and there's not much there. So there's not much legacy that they left behind and here we're fortunate to be able to leave more of this legacy because you're right. This is who we are. This is the conversations, and this is what we're hoping to leave behind. Anyways, I, I totally relate to it. But Richard, your thoughts, your questions.
0: Yeah, I hadn't, I, when you first asked, I had no idea at all. Uh, but listening to Tom, it helps jog my mind a little bit. And you know, and I've saved videos and jokes and the, all that kind of stuff, <clears throat> things I've done. But what strikes me as most important to me that I leave for my children is the love I'm learning. I'm trying to transfer to them, trying to give to them the love I'm learning how to give. You know, there's a lot of things about my kids' life. go, well, this is good, that's bad. Da, da da da. Where's the love in all of it? They each have their own. I got two kids. They each have their own difficulties in life, and they're handling it in their way, whether they ask me for help sometime or not. But what I look at is how. I want to say. It's too simple to say, how do I love them as they're doing the things they do? That's too simplistic, but it's accurate. How do I share with them the love I'm finding within me so that they are okay with themselves so that they're feeling that love? there's something I want to leave behind. It's it's that kind of thing. Uh, so is is the so,
2: question: How do you share that love, or how to you how do you um, document or help them see that love?
0: No, it's my sharing of it. It's, mm. How do it's you share actual, it better? So that yep, in actual mm-hmm. in the moment sharing of like like if. My son came, comes to me <clears throat> and he, he's got this idea for this, he's got this problem for that, you know, and what to do. My loving response, you know, there's all the intellectual stuff about what to do with the problem or his, you know, the, the grandkids or, uh, or whatnot. But it's the love that I give the answer with. So that he will love himself even though he has these problems and can later on or in his own life, hand that love to others. Once he's been, once he's experienced it, that's one of the things that the conferences in Geneseo taught, taking my kids down there, they went, oh, this is the real thing. You know, but my son tried to go to to other things somewhere, and he went. It, it's just manipulation. You know, they they'll get you feeling guilty. They'll get you feeling, but if they don't have that that core. The the honest, the authenticity isn't there. The a- authenticity from the heart that was in the the, the conferences that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody's changed position. Yeah, well, that's new. Here we are. (laughs) Now I don't know who I'm pointing to. (laughs) (laughs) He was was demanding of what he wanted from me. Uh, And as I started to say, as a kid, I, I got that all the time. You know, do this. and and not the You want to help out join in with us it was just do this you know and I honestly for a while is in my teenage years thought the only reason they keep me they allow me to hang around is because of the work I'm capable of doing that was a solid thought in my head and it it came back to me when he was spoke to me in that way and it thinking about it for a while and, and I considered like just not helping him you know if he's gonna do that I'm not going to be there and then someone mentioned does he speak to himself in his own head that way and I that's a good question and so I approached him and says listen the way you talk to me is you know like it's just demanding. It's not like you're pleased that I'm helping. It's not like you're pleased that we are doing something together. You're not pleased with It's just do 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 do, do you Yeah, I do. And it completely changed. That's the that's the transfer of the love. You know, I could have yelled back at him. I could have said, well, I'm not doing this anymore, and just not helped him anymore, but to to be concerned for him, and ask the question for his better, for him to examine himself, uh, and it worked, and that, you know, and and I've never seen him be like that to anyone since, he's had a lot of people work for him for different things, and and he's just kind and decent and helpful all the time he, he i was astonished how much he learned in that short little bitty conversation we had so that's living into the question for that moment
1: appreciate your answers to that. It's, it's because uh, it's a blend, really a blend of what you both shared. I thought of my own too. So, a big part of it is, is realizing turning 65 this year. It's like that, another midlife crisis time, like when 45 comes and all of a sudden there's these questions, right? That are coming up. Or what does it mean? What, I never have thought about that phase or whatever. And it's all gonna be coinciding with the kids leaving the house and empty nest. And so I know that's been a question, but the question I find it is deeper. That's just this, the, the top level question. Beneath it is, is sort of that legacy, Tom, that you were talking about. Um, what is it that I'm leaving behind? What is it that I can do? Um, also with the awareness is, is that uh, and Richard, I know from our own talks is that, you know, I, I see myself in a year and a half sort of hanging it up and that I'll be on the road with you in the, in each of our conversion vans, right. That we've talked about. <laughs> and for the first time, I think I've really had a vision for, you know, I, I have a real thought for what retirement means to me. I, I, it's just me and the dogs and out venturing Kept connecting up with others, and and until I can no longer do that, and uh, but to hang up a lot of these things, and so how do I conclude this in the year year and a half? Well, I've got some work to do, but it's mostly the the kids, and Richard also knows uh, been having some struggles at home recently, and yet that also has been part of living into the answers because these challenges. Um, that have been had, Richard, really relate to the point that you've been made, and you were very helpful for me in terms of, say, coming to the question. Is is because you had talked about just being the person that I am, being the loving person, be share my love in this circumstance. I can't control other people. This is where they'll be making their own choices, and I've got to allow that and to accept that. But I can still remain that constant of love, which is truly how I want to leave that in no other way than I, no matter what the situation was, I ebbed in flow as is, you know, I feel frustration or whatever. But the end of it, I'd always come back to being that loving, caring person about the kids. And So that's why I see myself sort of that question is, is what is next? What's really next for me? And how does it play out into all of this spiritual growth and things is, is to begin to start exiting the need of life being to do. You know, there's that three levels of being, there's the having, doing, and being um, that I'm referencing there. And so that after 40 plus years of to do as a work, you know, doing the role of a, a dad and raising the kids and things like that. It's time to start letting that go uh, so that I can just be. And that I've, and i have having to give myself permission to even contemplate that. That's why I realize how much of a challenge it is for me is because I don't think I've ever had that in my life, the, the, the thought of, wow, I could just be. On my own and free. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a novel thought. I was always having to take care of something <laughs> or somebody. Um, but that's sort of where, where the question is, is how is this unfolding and coming to grips with that and the very challenge that I'm confronting and having to contemplating it. And then I would say that the situation experiencing at home, some of the challenges really is how life is giving me some of the answers, living into the answers, is because I needed to be able to allow the, the, the children to be able to choose their direction now. And that was something I never contemplated after 20 years of raising them, you know, that yeah, it's time to really to let go, but it's not just letting go of them, it's letting go of my career, my life, the working years to really be something very different and that's such a huge novel thought for me it still challenges me although i feel like i'm starting to live into the answer more
2: it's going to be an interesting life review you know for us
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's all i can say i mean we've we've all had an interesting life um Uh, Not ordinary in any way.
1: Yeah, it'll be, I I, I think there's a separate section of heaven reserved for our life reviews and it'll be similar to, you know, what's that? What's the area of the world where everybody's on drugs and, you know, um, in Holland, Holland or something where all drugs are legal?
0: Hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, whatever that place is, is. but I would foresee is there's man, oh, come come on man, get high tonight. We're gonna hear the Tom Williams life review, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh man, hey hey, well, while you're high? Let's let's bring in Richard Use. In fact, you know, go out, let, let's let's get Stone Man, and let's all wear our noses and and uh, come in here because you know you gotta hear that guy's story <laughs> over here. You know now, okay now. You know you, you want to be. You know you you think you've heard it all. But here is is the. Here is you know you've all heard of losers. or Here's America's loser, Mike McGinnis, <laughs> no, and, and, and I'm saying jest. I know I'm saying I'm saying that, yes in jest and and doing it. But it just would be my vision of of our life reviews. <laughs>
2: I mean, and then we'll have a shared life review, too, because we're all in each other's life. You know, we'll yeah. see what what the effect uh, was between us and, uh, you yeah. know, we did together in the priesthood, all of the, the circumstances that we've gone through and shared, you know, together, uh, as well as individually. I mean, I, I, I am always amazed at how diverse and interesting I think my life has been. And I suspect each of you has the same story. Um, it's not been an ordinary life by any means, as, as I judge it from, I mean, everybody's life is unique. I get that. But when I compare, you know, and I, I think about people ask me what I've done or who I've been, I've, I have run out of the ability to include all the stories because yeah. it would go on and on and on. As I know that, uh, Richard, you have occasionally said, you know, I I could just go on and on and on about this. And, Mike, I know you've had that same um, circumstance where if you were to really tell your story, your whole story, and nothing but the story, I mean, you'd have to keep going. Yeah, no, and that's
1: like that that modern day vision. I mean, it was two hours and I felt like I was tipping the iceberg, but truly I'm so glad this conversation came up because truly one of the great intentions of that was to leave a message for the children and whoever else in terms of, Hey, what was my life about, you know, that does a decent job of sort of summarizing the milestones mm-hmm, and events mm-hmm. in that, but yeah, it, it is. And it's interesting because, uh, Richard, I was just before you came on. So Tom, just, just prior to this, I, I, one of the things I just, all from my thing. So there was the high school group and all our high school graduating class. And frankly, only the the only postings on the group anymore is so-and-so died, you know, and that's really what it is as we're aging. Right. And so I said, you know, why don't here, I'm going to throw it out if anybody wants So I offer to do a Zoom session, everybody can join in so that we can talk about the living. (laughs) <laughs> you know and said, you know and and it was great people really liked that idea and we just did the meeting however it was interesting and I'd sort of lead in a thing is so hey to, to tell me your life story in a nutshell and it was very interesting because then I realized there's always some more to it but people were really able to in this and I'm not saying in any demeaning way I want to make sure so put it that way is is a traditional mainstream life is is Pretty cut and dry right there's a lot of things that sort of follow the secret and that's what i was hearing to it and and again not out of judgment i was just realizing for me how different my life experience has been because i could never put it into a snapshot like they were because it was not anywhere near mainstream and that is You're right, it's incredibly different for each of us.
0: Very much so.
1: That's why this group to me is so important uh, because again, I say that all these intentions, all these answers, and we've all said it in our own way in these shows is that this serves a purpose for me to start bonding again with people who I could really relate to as i'm coming to conclude a life, because one of the things I noticed in hospice care, no one there on the deathbed was interested in wearing any more facades. That was it, that was it i'm not playing any game with you, this is it, and they say it. they're just spilling out like it is which made it really challenging for family members coming in, because they were they were just no longer wearing the facades or sugarcoating things and very characteristic. And and one of the things i learned is is God, how wonderful it would be to be that way earlier in life. And it started to evolve me. And a lot of my quest has been to be more authentic in there, but yet in work settings, I still had to dial it down considerably, wear the facades to be able to go into. But here, as I'm starting to come to this, Conclusion of let's call it the doing phase of life, whatever. It's so great to have this conversation with people who can really relate, who will live the essence of my life in many ways, so that we can share and discuss it without having to be superficial, without having to be, which I have very little interest, frankly, in being that way.
0: I don't know where to go from here. Very well said. So if I'm the one to open the session, can I be the one to close <laughs> it?
1: Yeah. Yes, please.
0: We've <laughs> been waiting, Richard.
2: It's a, <laughs> yeah. a hard time. Oh, OK, <laughs> well, uh, uh, what can I say now? Uh...
0: It's been an hour and 10 minutes. Come on, let's <laughs> get over with. <laughs> Okay, you ready? Sum it Bye-bye. up.
2: <laughs> that was a Tom Sawyer for sure, right there. Now,
0: don't stay on the stage a second longer than you, than you than it's working. Just let it go when you're done. Get out. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you want to see a a. a, a but <clears throat> uh, a demonstration of my psychic powers Mention mike mentioned a rock star from the 60s i'll bet you i got their picture right here right, right in the uh, back of this. i'll just turn it around and show it to you
1: oh i can't see it oh okay good you'll turn it around show it to me a rock star yes yeah, so um uh
0: Come on, hurry.
1: He asked me about names. Names causes the short circuit in my body here. All right, Tom,
0: come up with a rock star
2: from the 60s. The 60s? Let's see. David Bowie is he from the 60s? And there he is.
0: That's his picture. A (laughs) 10-month-old. That's my psychic power. (laughs) Yes. Very good.
1: Uh, now, they're, they're now I, I, I can visualize the fans who are watching this all um, one of them. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are three of us here. Yes. Three views this week. <laughs> you, no.
1: And that one fan is Bruce because he's now stuck in, in bed there. So he can't get out, so he's forced to listen to us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Bruce, we love you and we miss you yes big
1: time well done and you're yep you're a trooper man going through this and he lived up to exactly doing what he said he would do hats off that's great yeah. well again truly uh, you, you've said it Richard thank you that's it's a great way It's sort of summarizing here is is funny how you know what's that funny thing happening uh way to the forum or whatever it was <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah 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 Right. And so here was a question right up front, a pretty profound thing that led to just a lot of incredible conversation. And in there, true of these kinds of spiritual conversations, in there and through these stories are a lot of little tidbits of wisdom and thoughts and things that we share. Sometimes doesn't come across clearly and crisply. But as you engage in conversation and share with others, you are in effect, living into your answers. How's that for a conclusion? Uh, You got it. (laughs) Very good. Good, but Tom, you have to say something. I might
2: might have to listen to this again afterwards. I might learn something. (laughs)
0: Heck, did I say? Did he say that too? <laughs> Start out with a deep and deeply profound spiritual question, and look what we did with it. Oh boy. <laughs>